0: Hi, everyone. Gabby here. soon here. Um, James and I are apart for three weeks, and we thought it would be a fun idea to, um, just as she does meditations on here sometimes, that I would sometimes leak some of my Patreon episodes. If you don't know, I do have a Patreon, www.patreon.com slash where I do podcasts every week, and I've been doing this for almost two years, um, there's even some vlogs on there before I started doing audio, and so there's just an archive of thoughts, and I feel like some of them get lost in the sauce of just like the new stuff, and I would like to reveal some every once in a while on this page that I feel are relevant to current affairs. So this week is Lionsgate Portal on 8-8, and, um, it's a great time for ritual. Um, a simple Google search can tell you the relevance of Lionsgate Portal 8-8 why people harness it, the history of it, why spiritual communities talk about it, why you might be seeing stuff on your explore page about it. Um, And it's just a great time for rituals. So something that I think is the basis of all ritual and just subconscious awareness, unpacking your subconscious, even unpacking ancestry and physical ailments, is understanding the power of symbols within our subconscious, our world, our culture, um, our language with ourselves and with others. So I am sharing... um, an episode from February 12th of this year. Um, I was in Hawaii at the time, so you'll hear birds in the background. And it's just a full exploration of how I understand symbols from a conceptual art perspective and a spiritual perspective, psychological perspective, and why I think they're so important and why I think it's important to always have your own symbols and um, understand how powerful that decoding can be. So thank you for listening. I hope you enjoy this episode. And if you like... These leaks, let me know. Once again, it's only going to be me. This is me talking by myself. It is not the standard Illusion Pod um, structure, but we will be back with you soon. <laughs> uh, thank you so much for listening and engaging with Illusion Pod. Um, thank you to those who are um, on Patreon with me. It means so much. Uh, if you've been on Patreon, you know how incredible it is to just have a place to channel, and a lot of things happen in that space. So it's just really wonderful to have that space with you guys. So much more to come, and uh, just thank you so much for listening. So here we go, let's talk about symbols, symbols, symbols. Happy Lion's Gate portal, do something, I mean it. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) so I'm kind of going to break away from that and talk about something that is the gift that keeps giving, and that is a grounding topic, a tangible topic, something that has systems to it, and it is just... I want to just elaborate more on my studies on symbols, what they mean to me, how they first came into my life, some of the processes that I use to honor symbols in so many different ways and just why they're so fucking important and why we should treat them like this very... We should just be really aware of the symbols in our life and the way that these stimulations make us feel. And so I want to start with the first time that I was really... Exposed to the importance of symbols and the power that they had, and this was in art school. I didn't go to a professional school. I went to a community college, and basically, my school experience was being in high school, getting really annoyed with all of the to- the busy work we were doing. Um, I ditched a lot. I went to community college thinking that I would do what everyone else was doing, which was take a couple uh, take a couple years of school, get all your pre stuff out. Take your time figuring out what you want to do, and then go to a big college, right, and save money because you went to community college, whatever. But I remember I went to um, community college, and I took the placement test for math, and I was placed in a in a in a uh, math level that I had already taken, and I was like, no, <laughs> I just was like, I I'm so I was so sensitive about my time, and I was like this can't be right, like, I don't need to, I don't need to take the same thing I already took, like, and that was, <laughs> that was literally, like, such a pivotal moment for me, where I was like, okay, you know, I'm gonna take a risk here, I'm gonna do this my way, and my way was essentially taking every single class I wanted to take without any, like, path, you know, so I took poetry, I took psychology, I took business, and I took business too, I think, I took drawing, I took media, like art media. Um, I took poet, I think I said poetry. Already. I took psychology. I don't know if I said psychology or poetry, but I just took everything that interested me. And one of the best courses I took was this conceptual art course. And it was just so fantastic. It was basically everything you'd want out of like a conceptual art course, which was essentially you would, you focus on the concepts, you focus on contemporary art. We learned about contemporary art, but we also learned how to bring our own symbols out of us because the thing about conceptual art and contemporary art and, and also why it was, it's such a kind of, um, like an, uh, like a, like an off ramp to spirituality is because conceptual and contemporary art, contemporary art by definition means art that is happening now. And the art that is happening now is very conceptual. And what this means is that it relies on the ideas and the concepts that the form represents more so than the form itself. Um, However, of course, in the art world and in the professional art world, both need to be up to par, right? So the form has to be incredible, but the concept also has to be incredible. And also you can kind of be on the spectrum and go either way. Maybe you have a really strong concept, but you have like a ready-made or maybe you have a really strong concept, you know, and the, the form itself is a little messy, but it's like, you know, so it's like you can kind of pick and choose. And that's what's so cool about art now is that it's not heavily reliant on technicality, And this also kind of tells us where we are as a culture in the sense that we are so interested in ideas and the invisible. And I always say, like, I think my first, you know, obviously there was a lot of spiritual influence in my house. But my first kind of more tangible experience with, I think, spirituality was the art themes and how they kind of interwined. So in this conceptual art class, which was incredible, the teacher was wonderful. Um, a lot of the focus was just on us finding our unique voice and our unique ideas and our unique concepts. And it didn't matter what medium we were using. And the assignments were usually concept-based. I remember the first assignment we had was the theme was mapping. And they were, and she was like, you know, make make work about mapping, just like mapping your life. And the example she gave was that somebody in the, you know, the semester prior had you know, set down, uh, papers in his house and had this specific pair of shoes with ink on the bottom. And every time for like a week, <laughs> he like walked every time he walked in that area, he would put the shoes on and she thought that was so genius. Uh, another person in the class like kept every cigarette that they smoked and documented that. Um, I sort of made a drawing or a painting based on my bus route, my bus and my walking route. Um, that's what I did. And so that was one of the assignments, you know, we had to do a performance piece. That was another assignment I remember. Uh, we, one of our first ever assignments actually was identity. I remember it was just like identity, like talk about identity. And that's what was so great about the classes. You get this kind of loose topic and then you'd be encouraged to bring whatever you wanted in. You could bring a video, you could bring a sculpture, you could build it, you could bring a drawing. All that was important was that you knew how to talk about it and how to connect the idea to the form. And so, like I said, it could be fairly loose, but what the class was attempting to teach us was that the form complements the concept and the concept complements the form. So the more that the form can complement the concept, the better. And what this means is like the medium you use, you know, if you're, uh, you know, making, you know, your conceptual piece, let's say, is about nature and connecting to nature. But then you make a resin sculpture, it's not as strong as if, let's say, you made a sculpture out of, I don't know, some mixture of honey and pigment that you gathered in the woods because that actually speaks to nature as opposed to resin, which is a very unnatural, man-made, toxic, chemical substance that if you, you know, put in some grass would kill it and, and probably ruin the ecosystem for a while, you know. So that's basically it. So the the class was very much on being, like, almost like... <laughs> grounding conceptual art and making it more dignified which I really loved to learn and was actually really against it at first I remember in the beginning being really stubborn in the class because I was like art can be anything you know and then this person's being like why did you use that glue why don't you use this medium your concept would be much stronger you know Um, so that was the goal of the course it was to teach us a few things it was like I said to match the form and the concept really well which if we're talking in spiritual terms and a lot of the terms that I like to use a lot it's like to match the ethereal with the earth you know to match energy and matter Um, and in your work to unify these two forces to be not only understood by you and like a complete expression but also to your audience you know So that was that. Also, it was, like, to demystify the art world. We learned a lot about, um, she used to always say galleries are just stores. (laughs) You know, she was like, you think galleries are these great places where these, you know, impressive artists are showcased and, and favored? But she was like, they're just stores, you know, uh... A gallery owner says, Oh, this could sell for this much and let's try and sell it. And everything that goes into that selling, even the mystification, even the glorification of artists, even the opening night is all part of the store. Um, that was something she said that stuck with me. And just a general, her general being was just honestly deeply spiritual, but in the context of art. You know, there was no mention of, you know, spiritual like we're being spiritual, but that's when I think it was really exposed to me that art is a very spiritual thing and a very it's just so closely connected and such a way to learn about spiritual themes and the design of life um in such a fun way and so one of the first things we did one of the very very first projects we did in the class because we would have the take-home projects like the identity and the mapping we have to bring something in and then talk about it but we also had in class um in class you know assignments and the first one was our lexicon so let me look at the definition of lexicon I'm actually very curious because she would always use that word and I actually didn't know exactly what it meant but I think it's just a series of words uh like specific words but the actual definition of lexicon is the ve- vocab Ooh, this is nice the vocabulary of a person language or branch of knowledge the complete set of meaningful units in a language so essentially, she was like, we're going to make lexicons. That was our first project and a project that we worked on for the entire year. So the first part of this project, the lexicon project, was defining just like our favorite words. So we had to write a word from letters A through Z um, that we resonated with. It could be a feeling. It could be a thing. She she Something I liked that she said that also stuck with me. She was like, if you can't think of anything, she was like, if you can't think of anything, just focus on what you like. She was like, if you want to write dog under D, great, that's fine, <laughs> you know. But basically encouraging us not to sort of think that we had to make this profound, you know, poetic set of words, but just focus on things that we really resonated with. Um, and yeah, so you'd find people using, you know, nouns, adjectives, you know, names of animals, names of people in their life as their symbols. And this was the first time I felt in an organized way that somebody was defining symbols as something important and relevant, Um, and something to build off of as well. Because the whole point of the lexicon was to list all of these words and to use them in our work. And I think one of our projects was, like, pick three words and use them in a piece um, to make a piece. And something she also said (laughs) in terms of, I'm just so glad I remember so much because she really touched me. was that with art and with a lot of things you think that freedom comes from having a vast variety of possibilities like you know you think that you're going to be a great art you'd obviously be a better artist if you were in a huge studio with all the mediums you could ever need and all the information you could ever need and all the insight but the truth is is that true freedom comes from um, commitment to one thing or one specific thing and her examples were like pick a color one color that you want to use over and over again or two colors you know pick one symbol that you want to use again again from your lexicon do you want to focus on death only make work on death you know you want to focus on lavender only use that lavender see how much you can use it see if you can make lavender out of the earth see if you can try different shades of lavender in the store you know what is you know and just kind of being obsessed with things you did um and in art, they'll often call these kind of excursion studies, you know, like you can see, if you've ever been in a museum or gallery, I'm sure you've looked at a painting that was called a study, you know, like bird study one or like lavender pigment study two, you know. Um, and once again, that's what I love about art is that it encourages this like way of living conceptual art, especially encourages this way of living that is very spiritual. It's very present. It's very explorative. It's very uh, full of wonder and, um, very present and conscious. It's like treating everything like it's so definitive and special and full of value, which in a lot of ways is the truth and it's easy not to do that mode. So that was the lexicon. (laughs) So I would, if anyone wants to do this, um, it was really lovely. It was really great. I haven't done in a while, but I have made lists of just things I love throughout my life just for fun. And I think it's always a valuable practice. Um, if I were to reassign the lexicon, I would probably do maybe like three words per letter, just because I think three words per letter sounds really exciting. Um, and yeah. And so what this really adds to, and the way that I saw kind of this project be fully actualized is that as I sort of was in the kind of DIY early 20s art worlds, I noticed this especially in LA art in local LA art and also New York art there was this very there was this trend and I think it's still around and I think maybe it's forever (laughs) in a way this trend with artists especially painters especially visual artists who would just directly use really really specific personal symbols from their environment in their art and so an example of that would be a street sign let's say they were on Oakwood Avenue the street sign would be in a painting um you know, or they had this specific mug from their grandma's house and they like put it in a painting or made a ceramic of it or ceramic replica and then tell this whole story about what that means to them. Um, And I found that the reason why it was so popular in LA to do things like that, even my own art, I can say is like when I was doing the car and place paintings, it was like a form of territory, right? People in LA loved the car and place paintings. I had friends, you know, who would, um, just do these really, <laughs> just these specific, it was like marking territory because the thing about places, big cities like LA or New York, I would say is that there are these big cities that have so many opinions and so many connotations with them. And the little slice that you have becomes kind of this important magnified symbol for you. So someone's street sign in a city full of many street signs and many streets and many gangs and all these things, it's, it becomes this territory for you. And so it became really cool to sort of, be aware of your territory. And um, like I said, with the LA art, people would like, you know, the, you know, the, the sign at the nail salon that is on the corner of their house, that would be part of their paintings. You know, the, the little, then like their dog's tag or like, you know, like people would just use these personal symbols that literally meant nothing to anyone else in their art. But it would become this whole concept of the concept of home and territory and personalness and it would do really well. I had a friend who is now doing so well, is in big galleries, is doing so well. And they are a ceramicist, but all their ceramics were just purely these personal symbols, you know? They'd be like, Oh, I'm into um, you know, this the first bike I had when I was a kid. I'm I'm gonna put it on this vase and this cartoon I really resonated with this cartoon when I was a kid I'll put this cartoon character on it and it was kind of just this like messy uh, symbolic identity thing and I just saw it happening so much and I realized that this was sort of a movement that was happening on this very kind of like personal direct scale and what I mean by personal direct I mean it wasn't like mystified it wasn't like Oh, I'm gonna you know do a symbol of a deer and talk about how I resonate with the deer animal. It was like this is my street sign, and it's relevant because I would see it every day, you know. So I got into art like that, and I felt that that simplicity was just so amazing <laughs> and so profound. Um, and what it also did in turn was make me aware of the importance of customized symbols and the importance of symbols that like I said seemingly aren't profound or valuable you know your favorite muck the street sign you know your grandmother's name the house number that you grew up in like all these things that are so specific and just seem like tangible passing parts of our reality and that aren't so heavy with meaning became really heavy with meaning and became these personal fantastic points to pull from and it didn't matter what anyone thought it just mattered that that energy was in it for me you know so to you know connect to a certain building in LA and then paint it that's all I needed to do to say this is important and that made me very aware of how these symbols and how just living in awareness of symbols is so powerful because it takes it just takes you choosing (laughs) you know what I mean and when my teacher said just focus on what you like that's what she meant You know, we don't have to search far and wide for these cryptic, you know, spirit animal esque like symbols to prove to people that we're deep and profound. It's like a lot of our most powerful symbols are right here in our hands in what we're attracted to and stuff from our childhood and stuff in our bedrooms. Um, And in fact, some of those symbols will take you further. And when I say take you further, what I mean, and this is when I should explain what symbols are to me, I should also look at the definition. First, I'll say what symbols are to me. I think symbols are a vessel for, they're a vessel to transport you somewhere. So for example, when I make a painting and I put my favorite restaurant in it with the street sign, it's a very direct location, (laughs) but it's also a vessel for a feeling. It's like, why did she paint this restaurant, you know? And then you start thinking about time and place and uh, things that we connect to that are you know the fact that you can connect to like a business and it becomes a meeting place and it becomes this ever-changing, transient place. Or let's say you know I love hands. I collect hand sculptures that are upright, right? It's not just because I love what they look like. I do love what they look like, but a hand to me is such a strong symbol of creativity, of love, of connection. Of you know, I always get the ones that are reaching upward. I find it to be an inspiring symbol. And essentially, what a symbol is is something that is tangible, physical, or even, and when I say tangible or physical, I even mean like music, like in the sense that it takes up space and can cause a stimulation in the body. Like it has a sense of uh, visibility. um, And it holds an idea beyond that. So if a symbol is a car and you're getting in the car, it's transporting you to an idea. But the thing is, is that that is A collaboration between you the symbol and your influences so what i'm saying is like the hand being a symbol of love connection everything it's like creativity it's like that's influenced by a society that has also kind of shown me those symbols but also by myself to make that choice that these hand symbols make that you know what i'm saying so symbols are a custom experience but what they are is that they are just physical vessels for ideas and thought they are literally just representations of ideas that are intangible and that's why they're so important that's why we have I also want to mention symbols as people It's like our life is based in symbols we are based in symbols like you know Kim Kardashian being like a sex symbol and a symbol of influencer c- culture it's like what is Kim Kardashian is like we don't think of her as a person as much as we think of her as a symbol of a certain lifestyle and a certain place that we're in culturally you know Marilyn Monroe is a sex symbol it's like people didn't think of you know it wasn't like I relate to Marilyn Monroe she's cool it was like Marilyn Monroe is this you know and people get so addicted to her because she becomes this symbol of an idea you know if we took away the idea and all the invisible stuff she'd just be like a a blonde human woman (laughs) you know what I mean but with all of this mystification all of this it's like what did she symbolize and what did the culture at the time and the environment at the time all kind of almost combine to create this really strong symbol of just like sexuality and like you know glamour is like it succeeded whether she consented to it or not because symbols are up for interpretation right it's like they're you're observing them but you're in an environment that's observing them so when you think of symbols you have to think of them as a vessel a vessel for idea or thought and when i say that they transport you they absolutely do you know some symbols take you places they take you to emotions and it can, this can come back to conceptual art where conceptual art, contemporary art is completely an awareness of this because conceptual art says yeah the form is cool but how do you really get to people is with ideas and the intangible so how can we represent ideas with objects right and then conceptual art faces this head-on I mean the entire conceptual and contemporary art conversation is literally about that it's about creating new symbols you know it's like putting this crazy sculpture together and being like, well, this is what I'm trying to say, you know, and I'm giving you a symbol for this because I did, I couldn't find one elsewhere, so I had to go make it, you know. So to experience conceptual art in that way was so eye-opening, right? And so I, I'm still talking about sort of what the definition of symbols is. So that's that. I also want to say what really helped me think about symbols more recently in a spiritual sense was I was thinking about the obsession with dream interpretation and the idea that dreams – you know, it's pretty proven that, like, these sort of images in our dreams and moments in our dreams symbolize subconscious feelings and subconscious ideas. And I was like, well, if that's so apparent, you know, why don't we apply that to waking life also? You know, I can look around and see my life and the decisions I've made, the tangible decisions I've made, you know, and see those as symbols too. And not only that, but the occasional, you know, surprise symbol synchronicity right these things that kind of show up tangibly in our lives as a form of communication and mean something to us and whether we believe that this you know divine spirit put a a butterfly trapped in our house that day or we believe that our that's just an event that's happening and it is within our observation and awareness that that symbol can now be actualized into something bigger and greater and telling and reflective both are valid right because both are are causing a strong change in your subconscious and your awareness of your reality right so symbols to me are just you know they've got to be considered um and since they're so apparent i i think we should be having fun with them but yeah so that's what a symbol is i'm going to look up the definition of what a symbol is um so that we can get some of that kind of i love getting that wordage so symbol definition definition of a symbol A mark or character used as a conventional representation of an object, function, or process. Example, the letter or letters standing for a chemical element or a character in musical notation. A thing that represents, or this is the second definition, a thing that represents or stands for something else, especially a material object representing something abstract. Absolutely. I'm going to say that again a thing that represents or stands for something else, especially a material object representing something abstract. And so something abstract is another word for invisible, ethereal, idea, something you can't touch, right? So conceptual art, once again, you know, that's what conceptual art is doing. That's the process of conceptual art. It's like, here's a material object and I'm going to try and use it to tell you something that I think is hard to define, right? But what's so interesting about the relationship of symbols and the object to the abstract is like that's kind of the meaning of life and that's why i think symbols are so big is because we do live in this reality where we're constantly in you know i think this is another one of those infinity symbol moments where it's like matter energy matter energy matter energy right and if a symbol represents intangible reality then that's our kind of, one of the few ways we can actually converse with the intangible. Um, And it's just really fascinating. And I, I think when it comes to ritual, like this is the other aspect of it is I feel like the kind of, like there's like this onion of like the way that like symbols have been kind of uh, presented to me as this important part of, Considering life is like there was the art symbols and then it was signed kind of like this like dream interpretation connection and then this ritualistic awareness of the fact that you know I got into witchcraft or whatever and I was really into object based ritual and the idea that and this was because of my art background because I was so used to putting emotions feelings ideas uh, manifestations whatever into objects and like this process I really enjoyed I really I love I still love writing about art like I love analyzing an object and and going every way that I can to to talk about why its meaning is its meaning you know so it made sense that my form of ritual and like my focus when I was getting into spiritual practice like an actual kind of ritualistic practice um that it would be based in object and it would be based in kind of figuring out what my connotations with objects were to heighten that intangible idea and so when it comes to magic when it comes to art all these things are intertwined by the fact that they are attempting and science too I will say is like they're attempting to define what is intangible what is abstract what is unseen right and they feel like these special processes but it's kind of what we're doing 24 7 I feel like But with magic, it was, like, what is a way, like, I am so visual and tangible, so it made sense to use objects. And not only did it make sense, it also heightened my art practice, and it was almost this, like, once again, infinity symbol of art to magic, because both of those practices benefited from me being so into my symbols and so in love with them, you know, like, so excited to create new ones and have unique ones and tap into something that someone else hadn't, you know. Um... And I also made the connection to dream interpretation that if our subconscious is speaking us in symbols, then we can speak back. You know what I mean? If our subconscious when we go to sleep is saying, hey, like I, you know, had an orca whale show up in your dream and drag you to the bottom of the pool and then release you. <laughs> and that was my way of talking to you about this feeling you have. That's the language of the subconscious so blatantly, you know what I mean? So blatantly is just symbols. <laughs> and what's also really back set up is because the subconscious is such a kind of backseat experience. It's like I, I think there's many parts of us our subconscious that will never touch. Another part that's so relevant is the fact that symbols are happening 24 seven and we're not going to clock all of them right because conscious reality is based in kind of like survival and the task at hand. It's not based in being like, you know this color, this thing, this thing, but we see so much and experience and hear so much all day that we don't consciously clock, but our subconscious does. And, you know, that's when you have these weird dreams and these emotions and you kind of try to access your subconscious to understand new things. And what that showed me as well was that there was a kind of hacking and an unlocking that could be done. um, And that it was always going on. Like, that this was not, like, some unique process. Like, this wasn't some, like, you know, uh, witchy, (laughs) like, feat or some like elitist art thing it was like literally like innate like it was so innate and thank god for these practices for actually bringing attention to how they could be used as like actively so symbols like i said they're vessels that transport you to an idea right and the thing about that is that everyone's transportation is custom right so when i was reading about witchcraft and it would say hey you know you want to have a love spell you know get like you know, three red candles and mugwort or something. And I would be like, red does not make me feel love. Um, <laughs> and mugwort, I've never seen that in my life. So, me doing a spell with those two things will just be like, you know, just moving parts. It'll just be like, you know, when you s- fake smile and you're just showing teeth, right? You're not smiling. It's like you're just giving teeth. It was like that. Um, And I knew, and I think because of my art experience and because there was this movement happening where everyone was so personal and custom with their stuff, um, that I was going to have to be custom. So I just didn't listen to any of the spell books and just was like, okay, what are my symbols for these things? You know, like what makes me feel in love? What makes me feel connected? You know, and I realized that in doing that, I was creating successful vessels of transport. And I made this tweet once when I was at a coffee shop that I really felt help me define this and i'll go read it now about the vessel transportation aspect um but basically i was sort of warning people about this idea that symbols are such a big part of life and they're used on a societal scale and sometimes the societal symbol of something does not work for you. And when I say does not work for you, it's that the symbol does not translate, does not transport you to the idea that it should be transporting to. And I think the most easiest and kind of abundant symbol to use as an example for this is like sex symbols. The idea of what sex is, what sexiness is, and the idea that kind of, if someone walked into America and walked through a mall, they would be like, oh, to be sexy is to wear like pink lingerie and have this exact body type and this look on your face, right? And that can really, fuck someone, because the truth is, is, like, sex is sex, it's kind of this big spectrum of possibility, um, if we want to be really simple with it, it's sort of the, the act of, like, reproduction, or at least pretending to reproduce, um, it is the blood flow to the genitalia, you know, it's, like, so simple, and so nuanced, it could be anything, you know what I mean, like, I still don't think I've ever had sex in, like, bright pink lingerie, um, And sex is just so many things, right? And so when we have symbols, strong symbols that are everywhere of what a certain phenomenon should feel like, look like, you know, and you don't get transported to that, your life suffers or your experience with what that symbol is supposed to symbolize suffers. So let's say someone who... Um, You know gets too caught up in societal symbols of what sex should be. Maybe they're watching movies. It's kind of mainstream idea It's like they're gonna struggle with their sexuality because they don't see symbols for their sexuality anywhere, right? and so what one has to do is either create their own symbols First, be aware that these are just symbols and that they don't have to adopt them, that they aren't the truth, because symbols are ever-changing. They change culture to culture. They change person to person, and yet we don't know this, so we kind of just trust them. You know what I mean? The world says, this is what sex is. This is what good sex is. This is what hot sex is. You know? This is what being hot looks like. And then we just accept it as a symbol, and then, you know, it becomes kind of this mainstream reality. Um, And then it takes this effort to kind of break out of that and, and find out that, oh, you know, I'm... I can, I can enjoy this and have my own experience with it. And it actually looks really different than whatever symbol I have been sold. So the tweet says, an energy that can only be felt exists. And then there's an arrow to the next part that says, society attempts to capture this energy's essence through visuals and definitions. Next phase, flawed attempts at defining get embraced as fact next we forget that this essence is vast and a representation of an idea is just a journey not a destination and so what i mean by this once again we can use a sex symbol example again is that you know society says oh i want to represent sex and love you know i'm trying to advertise this thing how do we how do we encapsulate sex and love right and so do whatever popular or whatever you know they think it is at the time and like I said, it's ever-changing, and so they create this symbol, a few people agree, it gets big, it just becomes the symbol for that feeling, but it's not a fact, right? It could never be a fact. There's no way to tangibilize and factualize um, an intangible phenomenon, like love or sex. These things are so nuanced, so transient, so all over the place, so different for every person and between every person, Um And yet we're kind of sold these symbols and these constructs of how they exist. And once again, I just want to remind you guys that what love looked like, what good sex looks like is constantly changing. Just look at the history of relationships. Just look at where we are now. We came from a time where everyone's goal was to be husband and wife. And then we saw the divorce rates go up. We saw our parents unhappy. Now we are reformatting what love means. We have all these different ways to kind of think about it and express it. We are in a time of processing and we always will be. But what's so beautiful about that is that's more the truth than creating one symbol and selling it to everyone and then catching the fall, which is essentially, I think, what happened in sort of like the 20s onward, which is like the housewife and the husband and like that's the symbol of success and then finding out that it wasn't people weren't feeling successful they weren't feeling love within that symbol and yet they had tied to it so much and had committed to it and it just didn't work for some people it did work and that's the other side of it too is like you need to be aware that you can relate to some mainstream symbols some mainstream symbols will really work for you some won't but you just have to be very picky and aware because if you feed into symbols that don't work for you you know if you say this this is sexy this is beauty this is great and you don't see yourself in that. It does not transfer... Like, if you, say, if you see a symbol and you say, this is a symbol of sex and beauty and love and abundance, right? But it doesn't make you feel sexy, beautiful, or abundant, then that's not the symbol for you. You know, it's working for someone else. It's working for the agency, whatever. But you have the right to get into the right vehicles and the right symbols, you know, and that will change your life. Um, so the next tweet I said, ideas in tangible form, symbols, serve as a vehicle to travel to set idea said idea is invisible phenomenon or a feeling, but if the vehicle presented isn't transporting you, you're at the wrong car. Design your own vehicles again and again. It is your right as a perceptive transitory being. And what that means too is like the vehicles are symbols, (laughs) you know what I mean? These tangible ways that we get to an idea, to a feeling, to a confidence, to who we are, you know? And it's like, go ahead, try things on, but don't for one second think, you know, that you know it all or that someone's other someone else's symbol is yours you know and this is why I don't struggle with comparison and envy that much because when I see someone super happy and super excited about life and it's because they're traveling the world in a van I don't think damn they have it made they got the van if I could only do that I just think wow they figured out their thing but I know that it's not my thing necessarily and that Performing someone else's symbol is not going to directly take me there. But sometimes it can. If you see someone living out of a van, whatever, and and you're like, damn, that looks great. Actually, you know, and it's not about their happiness. It's not about wanting to emulate what they have, but it's actually about them giving you an idea that you actually want to try on. That's a whole other phenomenon, right? But I think people get too caught up in thinking, oh, this person is happy and whatever in their life. And they, you know, they're in Los Angeles and they're dressing this way and if i get to la and dress this way i'll be happy too right and it's like no you know that's possible sure go ahead and try but don't beat yourself down wondering why you're not getting the same results as the other person you know because the symbols that they are flourishing in the environments that they're flourishing in and the symbols that they're using to express that big feeling are not yours (laughs) you know um they're just not Um, And then in this tweet, I continue to say, as long as someone else is deciding your symbols for you, which I will say could be advertising, you know, commercials, parents, just anyone who's telling you how to feel about certain things. um, That's what someone else deciding your symbols could mean. So as long as someone else is deciding your symbols for you, they remain the manufacturer of your vehicles, whether these vehicles transport you or not as long as someone else is deciding your symbols for you you will not feel grounded in your own material bodily existence and this is something i also stand by it's like the vehicle is so important your ability to get to an idea and to get to a feeling is so important and it must it must happen on your own will you know otherwise you'll be like why are people how are people getting there why can't i get there and it's like you are a custom being that's all i can really say And then I ended this and I said hot and sexy cannot be defined by the attempts to capture it visually We must remember it is a fertile energy that is felt within it fuels creative projects and makes you move It is a formless energy that sustains life as we know it Hashtag stay horny, but for you and so what I meant by that was I was feeling at this time. I wasn't dating anybody I just felt so fertile and like sexy, but it wasn't because of sex I just felt so in alignment with this like fertile like hot energy and I was like even the word hot like being hot you know it's like when you're hot it's like you have good blood flow and I don't mean hot I literally mean just hot like temperature wise and it's like what does hot mean it's like to be hot is like such a vast word and I was like we're here you know in this world you know thinking hot and sexy is like Victoria's Secret and like this really specific sort of binary gendered sexual experience when like these energies are so strong and so big and you know can only be symbolized in these like few ways you know it's like one of the few mediums in which we can express our feeling of hotness you know our feeling of sexuality is through sex which is funny right you know like think of those feelings and how they exist without sex right it's like they can be channeled other ways (laughs) you know and so this was like a brain blast for me in the sense that I was like there's all these energies flowing floating around like our reality is a set of energies floating around and trying to show themselves through symbols or we're trying to see them in symbols or it's an infinity of both phenomenons but phenomena (laughs) but it's so funny to think that feelings that feel so tangible and represented by a certain medium are actually quite vast you know and that the symbols that can sometimes end up being accepted mainstream by a society or even by just like a local friend group or whatever Um, can make us forget that. They can make us forget that the life that we put within symbols is is actually quite vast. Um, So reaching back to uh, sort of your own symbols and the power in them is a way to put it simply. Someone else who really, I want to mention this, um, is Psycho Magic by Alejandro Jodorowsky. He's someone who he does something called psychomagic where he believes that psychology and magic, you know, can combine and he uses this exact method of using symbols to communicate with your subconscious to change behaviors. So his book is wonderful. Psychomagic is a great book. Um, I have it on my reading list. I think it's wonderful. Um, It says a lot about this kind of symbolism. And then he also recently came out with a movie called Psycho Magic, which is a documentary about this phenomenon. But it's a lot of stuff. But what it comes down to is he's someone who has put into practice this idea that the way to communicate to your subconscious is with symbols. The way to make changes, like notable changes in your subconscious is with symbols because that's the language it speaks, you know? Um, And so he's someone that really backs that up. And that's really just like if I could sum this all up, I would say the language of all of us is symbols. I mean, we can even take it as far as saying that, like, language and music relies on symbols to exist. You know what I mean? Language itself relies on letters to exist, right? Music itself requires notes to exist. And so if the key way to communicate is symbols, it's like, that's it. You know, that's where all the juice is. That's where all, that's where everything is, right? And why is that? Because symbols transport us to the ethereal realm which is full of ideas and feelings and that is what we are ruled by right no matter how much we think we're ruled by tangible reality and our bodies an invisible factor is always what's the guiding force for that um and there's no better way (laughs) than to just be aware of symbols man and back to sort of the mainstream versus custom symbols is i think some mainstream symbols can really hit you know at different levels. For example, I love Winnie the Pooh. That's a big symbol for me, just a symbol of just like existence on a big way. And I mean, that's a mainstream guy. People love Winnie the Pooh. But some people look at Winnie the Pooh and they think of babies and Disneyland and friendship. I think of this kind of profound being, right? And so that's another part of it. (laughs) It's like, there's a mainstream symbol. Feel free to twist it into what it means to you. I am all about custom connotations and custom symbols. And I will always push people to do that because I think it's so easy... To once again, see someone else empowered by a symbol or see kind of a symbol being sold to you. Because if you think about symbols, you know, I'm just going to use astrology as one of them is like astrology as a symbol or getting associated with your sign as a symbol is like the thing about it is that it's great, but it also benefits an entire market, an entire community that is tied to those symbols, and that is something that will always make me a little bit skeptical because I think the most powerful symbols cannot be taken away from you. They're sort of like this unique expression, and when I say they can't be taken away from you, it's like either the symbol itself is unique or your connotation with the symbol itself is unique. My relationship with Winnie the Pooh could never be taken away from me, you know what I mean? Like, somebody could dress their baby as Winnie the Pooh and be like, Winnie the Pooh is about joy and babies, and I, but I would still have my own little secret thing, <laughs> right? and that goes for everything but i think going back to like the astrology thing is like there is something very powerful in having your own custom generator um for your own power and this also goes into power which i talk about all the time is like i feel like there's two types of power there's kind of this simulated power that we're sort of sold that's kind of like this egotistical experience of maybe getting promoted having power over another person and it's only sustained by scale it's only sustained by a stimulated stimulated, simulated um, sense of scale. So it's like an outer kind of weaker frequency of power. It's like, you got this promotion, you're so cool, you got this award, you, you know, um, you got married, so you must be like a great, (laughs) great partner, you know, these kind of titles that sort of kind of exist to simulate a sense of power, when in reality, it's like, you know, you could get married, you could get an award, you could do all these things simply because you just know the right person or... Uh, what are, There's just so many reasons that are not empowering for why these titles can happen. But then there's another kind of power that's super self-generated. And I always remind people that we all have it because for you to be listening to this right now, for you to press play, for you to be doing whatever you're doing while listening to this, whether you're driving or painting, requires power. Like, that's just a fact of life. And I think being aware of these very simple facts, that you are literally a power center right now. You slept, you powered down, now you're having your day and eating your fuel is like that's just the basic fact of existing is that you are power right um and to have that generator within you is so divine and so i feel the same way about symbols which is like okay we can have these kind of you know once again going back to the sex symbol victoria's secret says hey oh my god i'll feel so hot if i you know get a tiny waist and a and a bright pink bikini right or i could be like i have my own symbols of what's hot and what's cool you know and that's my world and then your world just gets created right on your own terms and it's possible people can say all day oh you know what what about beauty standards and i'm like look around babe like yeah those beauty standards exist but how many people do you know don't fit beauty standards and found the, the love of their life or like the life of their dreams like i just don't fucking i'm not interested in that you know the people who won't though are the ones who tell themselves that if only they would become the symbol the mainstream symbol they would be good but it's like no there's these many cultures right there's many mini cultures out of the mainstream frame that want what you have that want the symbols you're presenting for the ideas and emotions that you're presenting right and that's very fantastic but that's the thing with power once again power symbols i just think there's so much more power and so much insight to be found in your custom language so much more you know So I got really hyped on this, but I mean everything I'm saying. Um, And I want to kind of bring it back to the lexicon and like the idea of creating your custom symbols and kind of bring it back to where we started, which is my art teacher literally said, pick your own symbols, choose your own symbols, focus on what you like, don't have to be so complex. You know, it's up to you how profound you make things. And it's like everything ends up getting connected because it's like the whole theme, like life is what you make it, you create your reality. It's like, how do you do that? You do that through symbols, right? You do that through saying that like your morning coffee is like this divine beginning to your day you know whereas to somebody else their morning coffee is this necessary rushed moment before they get to their computer you know it's like you get to make those decisions and you get to arrange your life based on the symbols you want to experience right you know to poeticize yourself right it's like and it takes a form of indulgence that's the other thing it's like why are artists So indulgent, right? Why are artists so fucking indulgent? It's because they're so in tune with their symbols. They're so in tune with their language, right? And to be in tune with your language is to be indulgent. It's to go deeper, you know, it's to see what's behind something, even if it's only that to you. And call it pretentious, call it indulgent, you know, call it whatever, but, you know, I have two things to say on that. One, it's a better life, so that's that. (laughs) And two, our whole life, like, our whole world is, like, based on indulgence, you know? It's, like, look at every song, look at every, you know, every movie, everything is, like, (laughs) all of our content is based in just someone choosing to go there, right? It's, like, you know, and it's such a beautiful reality to be aware of. And I, I find it so funny how we go around acting like the act of poeticizing things, romanticizing things, glorifying things. Like, we act like it's this kind of cult, not cult, but, like, counterculture. Uh, like, we act like it's this, like, extra thing in life that we choose to do when our entire lives are colored by this, you know? Our entire lives, our entire existence, all of the advertising, everything is speaking to the part of us that wants to magnify and glorify and inspire. And I find it so funny how we it's almost like a cope maybe that we act like it's kind of blase but the whole world is on it you know and it's all symbols um but yeah going back to lexicon i find it very powerful i think listing all your symbols is really powerful i also want to say for those of you who want to get into this kind of symbol vibe with a worksheet is that if you go down in the thread uh, on patreon i have actually the spells and rituals guide is on patreon for you downloadable pdf i think for everyone Um, and in that PDF, it's, like, a long tale of, like, the whole process and how I learned about everything and, like, how to do it, but when you get to the end, there's a few templates and worksheets. One of the worksheets in the Spells and Rituals Guide is when I was actually prescribing spells, like, when I was, uh, asking people what they needed and then writing a spell for them, that was, um, what I was doing for a while. I would send them this worksheet that said, what are your symbols for love? What are your symbols for, you know, death? What are your symbols for passion like all these abundance <laughs> all these things and that would help me formulate a spell for them because my whole thing was like you know spells don't unlock anything unless they speak to your specific subconscious so for example some people's everyone's symbols were different you know some people's symbols for abundance were lemons and uh, tomatoes and other people it was money and the specific gold ring that their dad gave them you know and it's like to think that like someone needs an abundance spell and let's say the gold ring person needs an abundance spell and I give them a spell with lemons and oranges it's like is that really gonna hit (laughs) you know as much as it would when they're being in the presence of a symbol that awakens them to that reality so if you're interested in kind of doing a little symbol worksheet that's actually here on patreon if you go to spells and rituals guide post it's a pdf attachment download that you'll see at the end there is a the old template that I used to send people and you can kind of fill it out. And that's a fun exercise. Um, but yeah, with that being said, is like your symbols for love, your symbols for sex, your symbols for abundance, your symbols for power. Some will be shared and some won't, you know, but be aware of what they are because they will enlighten you over and over again. And to talk again about vibration raising through symbols, which is also what ritual attempts to you know, complete. It's like, look at, you know, (laughs) look at religious practice. I always bring this up. It's like, you go into a church, there's stained glass, you have a symbol of, you know, the podium and the, all the images. And it's like, all these symbols are there because these people believe in these symbols so hard that their vibration gets raised. They become in the vibration of belief and power when they're around these symbols because, a lot of religion, a lot of spiritual practice is essentially about raising your vibration, right? A lot of ritual is about raising your vibration to like a consciousness of focus and awareness and belief. And so if you look at religions, if you look at any spiritual practice, it's like, what are their symbols? When you attach to a symbol as your vehicle, as your vessel, it'll take you to a place. So when a bunch of people in a room agree together that, you know, this man nailed to a cross is a symbol of, you know, belief and life and the meaning of life and and sacrifice and power they all gather they look at that symbol and then their vibration gets raised to this level right and that's what they all do together you know and then you have to remember that that's one person's symbols but another person will see that symbol and think it's terrible and disgusting it'll lower their vibration right and so that's why the customization is so important but also the awareness of how these things play out in daily life like this isn't like a witchy thing right it's like symbols simple, simple, simple. Why do we have logos for everything? I mean, even think about that. <laughs> Everyone has a logo. why a logo's a symbol, right? You might think like, oh, it's a simple way to, you know, it's kind of a no brainer. It's like a simple way to say what a branding is. But why do we even need that? <laughs> like, why did we evolve to brand things and like, you know, be able to sneak them around so people think, so people are transported to the idea? You know, McDonald's, big the gold arches, you know what I mean? You immediately think of, like, fries and burgers when you see it, but it's a, it's gold arches, right? Every other logo in the world. <laughs> I mean, it's like we're so ruled by symbols, so why not fucking hack it and be aware of it, you know? That's how I feel. Um, but yeah, symbol worksheets, great idea, lexicon, wonderful idea from my art teacher, um, and just general awareness, you know, and see how they interwine with magic. I also encourage anyone... You know if any museums or galleries are open. You know, read the wall text. Read the ways in which artists and curators describe the work these days, because contemporary art is completely reliant on artist statements. I remember something my teacher said, which probably influenced me, was she was like, "You know who the real art heads are? Because they're the ones in the corner reading all the artist statements." And that's true, you know, because. People who are really invested in the art and who aren't just, like, looking at it to see if they, you know, like the colors and like the vibe will read the artist statement because they're like, okay, how does this person talk about this piece? What do they mean? What are they trying to tell me? And so I encourage, you know, anyone if you're in a city where galleries and museums are available or even online, it's like always read the text. And it will make you – it will be another practice in helping you with symbols because it will just – it's just someone else doing it, right? And art is just one of the best ways to experience symbol processing conceptual processing through an object and sometimes it'll be really silly right and sometimes it'll be so amazing (laughs) and then once again the silly might not be silly for someone else and the amazing might be silly to someone else like that's what's so gorgeous about it it's like I love that feeling of going into a museum and seeing uh, a piece and like the wall text to me is so silly and like such a stretch and almost like pretentious And I'm like but it's here the curator loved it and a bunch of other people love it you know I love that experience because to me, it's like an opening experience. It's like a, you know, I'm so insignificant in my opinion experience, which I love having because that also translates into there's just so many possibilities, right? Um, so, yeah, I guess I'll just repeat just to close this off. Um, the ways in which you can practice symbol association, one spells and rituals PDF, which is free for you guys in Patreon. Um, that's a good way to list out your words the lexicon project which is essentially writing a word for every letter of the alphabet maybe three words for every letter of the alphabet um looking around you and seeing the symbols around you that just seem kind of mundane and normal like your street sign like you know the logo on the shop on the corner um you know the necklace your mother wears you know noticing these things and and adding them to kind of your starter pack (laughs) like your symbols of life and just honoring them you know honoring them simply because they're visible and they're there um another one committing to symbols doing a project committed to one symbol or a set of symbols or set of colors and seeing what comes from that doing a study you know saying i love i love this shade of blue I'm going to use, you know, getting one, you know, get one color pencil and like a unique color and just draw with it. Only that color. And see if you want to keep going, right? See if you can make that color out in nature. Just do studies, you know? Um, Being aware of mainstream symbols, especially sex symbols, because those are used so frequently. Uh, Symbols of beauty, symbols of power, and being like, is that my vessel? You know what I mean? Do I feel empowered by... (laughs) <laughs> Standing on a mountain, you know, with my hands on my hips looking boss. Like, you know, just like be aware of the way that symbols are used to transport us places and then be aware of if they're transporting you, right? Um, definitely that. Yeah, I hope you enjoyed this and we'll catch you next week.